0: This morning, today, we celebrate Valentine's Day, so all of you folks may be having some things to do this afternoon and this evening, so we put off our cover dish dinner until next week. But there's a story about Johnny, he was a small boy, young student, he loved Valentine's Day, every year he looked forward to it, he would start early and make his list, and he looked for special Valentine's for each schoolmate that he had on the list. But it seemed that all his effort was astray because he never received a Valentine from anyone in any of his classes at school. Another the Valentine's Day was rolling around. And he had his special cards all ready to go for the day. He had his list all made up and he worked in the days and the weeks before to get a card for every person. And so he would make sure that he thought of them all and And finally the day came, Valentine's Day came, and he was off to school carrying his cards, kept them very close, very very protected to make sure that when they arrived they would be spotless, they would not have any marks on them at all, they would be perfect Valentines. His mom saw him off to school and tears began to run down her cheeks because she thought, here comes another year and he's going to get no Valentines. So all day long mom prayed, oh dear Lord, let him get at least one. Let him get some Valentine's. Let somebody at school remember him and give him a Valentine's Day card. And soon it came time and the school bus began to roll on down the street and there he came. And she was just looking at his face and trying to, to read and see what had happened. And he he uh, got closer and he, she heard the voice, she heard his little voice saying, not a one. Not a single one. And as he got closer, he, she heard the whole thing. I didn't forget. A single one. <laughs> well, you make sure you don't forget anybody today and you have a real good Valentine's Day. You don't usually find this following on a Sunday. I can't even remember the last time that did. Maybe seven years ago we had that one of those things where it skipped over Sunday or something like that, but I don't remember it for a while, but it is today. And we've been on the series here. This is our third week of Hope's Confession. Hope. That does not waver. Hope that is steadfast. Our text for this series. was Came out of Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession. Of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. That our hope. Has a confession. And we spent two weeks on this idea. That hope has a confession. One of the only examples we used. Was you must make sure. That your tense of your confession is right. That the things that we hope for are things in the future. We do not hope for the things we already have. And so our confession for those things that are promised, our confession for those things that are hoped for need to be in the future. Not the past. Sometimes we think it's more faith if I talk about something that's in the future as in the past. It'd be kind of silly for us to talk about how beautiful heaven is. Like we've been there but I haven't been there yet. No, I talk about heaven as a place I am going to. I talk about the beauty that I expect it to be. I talk about the mansion that I expect that my father said he's building for me. We talk about these things as expectation, but they are future. Some things that are promised in the Word are for the distant future. Some are for the immediate future. Some are for as soon as we get to a certain thing done. But whatever the promise is, our confession is Needs to be based on what the promise was. And for those things that we hope for, they are future. For those things that we've been given, we don't have a confession for the future. We use the example before of my keys. I don't go around saying, I hope I find my keys when I'm holding them in my hand. That would be silly. But we're going to look at some people's confession here of hope. In Romans chapter ten, verse eight. What does it but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a future promise, isn't it? If I do this, I will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How do we confess things? With our mouth. You cannot think a confession. You cannot do it. If you have thought good thoughts, if you have thought good things about the whatever it is that God has promised you, it does not count. It is with your mouth. You must speak the confession. You must say with your mouth the thing that God has promised. The thing that you believe. For with the heart one believes under righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So inwardly with the heart we believe but outwardly with the mouth we confess. For the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's a promise, isn't it? That's a promise you can hold on to. And we can put that promise in our confession. Father God, I believe on you and I know I will not be put to shame. God likes it when we take his promise and believe them. So much so that we speak it out of our mouth and confess it. Well, let's take a look at some of Paul's confession. And this one might surprise you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus he sent, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what, what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks representing toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel and the grace of God. The hope that Paul has here is what? That that whatever city he's going to get to, chains await him. How's that for hope? Now isn't it hope? Hasn't God said this shall happen? This is the hope that he had. This is the, now sometimes we always think that hope is positive. But hope is future. Now does Paul sound like he dreads this at all? No, because it comes from God. And he is basically saying, if God says this is what awaits me, because this is what his kingdom needs, I'm all for it. Because I'm going to finish out my race strong. I didn't come out here to finish this race out weakly. I came out to finish this race out strong. And if this what's what awaits, if this is what God says is out there, if this is what He needs, glory to God, I'm going to do it. And He's not down about it at all. See, Hope, hope does not bring gloom. <laughs> but it's not always nice. We have a promise from the Word of God that trials and tribulations await. Don't we? that's not one of those real fun ones but that is a hope that we have and our confession needs to line up with that we don't always like it to we always like to confess trials and tribulations away don't we isn't that better let's just confess them away no they're promised chapter 21 verse 10 and as we stayed many days a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. He's determined, isn't he? He has this hope, when I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to be put in chains for the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's not being deterred. People come on over and have this great symbolic prophecy. I mean, prophecy with props is great. He takes the belt and bounds them up and he says, I'm ready for that and more. This isn't a problem. Acts 23 and verse 11. I put this. I believe I put this in your outline for you because I want you to see this. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Is that a promise? And he held on to that, didn't he? He held on to that. In fact, later on in the in the uh, episode here with, with Paul, you will find out that he appeals to Caesar. And at one point, the powers that be said, you know, if he hadn't appealed to Caesar, we could let him go now. But what was the promise? Not only are you going to testify for me at Jerusalem, you're also going to go to Rome and do it. And so he said, well, that's all that's important. It's not whether I get off or not. It's that I testify here at Jerusalem and that I testify at Rome. And he's testifying before high ups. No one else maybe would have gotten there. Well, that's a hope that he has. This hope doesn't sound all that great, but it doesn't depress him. He's ready. He's ready to face death. His hope is of such that he even writes at one point, he says, for me to live, who's it good for? For me to live is, is I live for Christ. To die is gain. But he said, I'm living on this life, I'm living down here for you guys. For the benefit of the church. To bring revelation and teaching to the church. That's why he faced all those abuses. That's why he faced all those beatings and such things, he was fine with it. He said, I'm doing this for God. I'm staying down here for God. I'm doing these things because I'm serving the Lord Jesus. To die, hey, that's a gain. And so anything that God says that has the end result that he gets to heaven sooner, he's okay with it. That's why this doesn't bother him. But God gave him a hope. God gave him something that he could confess. He says, you will testify for me in Jerusalem And so you must also bear witness at at Rome. And he had that. And did he not have his confession put around that? I'm going to testify at Rome. I'm going to testify at Jerusalem. These are the things I'm going to do. Let's take another look at another one. Jesus. In Matthew 16, verse 21. This is after the disciples had realized who Jesus was. He said, Who do you say that I am? And they said to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we pick up in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This should not happen to you. But of course, he rebuked him, didn't he? But he turned and said to Peter, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. But what's the hope that Jesus has? I'm going to live this life. I'm going to live it above sin. I'm going to conquer sin. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The elders and chief priests are going to put me in chains and I'm going to be crucified on a cross. Is that not the hope of Jesus' ministry? Is it positive? (laughs) Well, not that part of it, but the end result is (laughs) because He did the whole thing for the purpose of winning us to God. And that's the positive side. But he begins to talk about this and then the disciples begin to rebuke him because they're not ready for this negative side. Hope does not always have to be glorious, glamorous and all that sort of thing. But it comes from God and it comes from His promise. And because it comes from His promise, we confess it. We speak of it. It's on our lips because we're always mindful of these promises that He's given us. I may suffer tribulation. I'm going to go through some hard times for God. The world is not going to accept me. The world is going to hate me. That's all right. I know what's there at the end. And all the time that both these situations, even though there was a down spot in the hope that they have, in the confession they had, there was a bright spot at the end. For Paul, I'm going to be in heaven. Glory to God. Oh, that's going to be a good day. For Jesus, I'm going to rectify. I'm going to reconcile all the church unto God. Oh, is going to be a good day. And so they're all happy about that. Even though it wasn't necessarily the most positive of things, was it? Well, let's get into some other, other areas. Take a look at some more verses of uh, confession that Jesus had. In Matthew 20, 12 and verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Is He not confessing who He is? Does He know who He is and He's confessing this? Matthew 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each according to His works. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father. Do you see Him? He is looking at the hope. He is looking at the future and He's speaking of it now. This is confession of your hope. This is what Jesus is doing. It's what Paul did. It's what we need to do. Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And very close to it, Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the purpose. Matthew 24 and verse 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He, he is just simply confessing all the things that are surrounding His second coming, that are surrounding His death on the cross. He is just speaking them out. The power that God has given Him to operate in down the earth, He's just speaking them out. Luke 9, verse 44 and 45, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. How many of you would say that's a negative confession? Quit that. Get that out of your, your mouth. That's a negative confession. But they did not understand this saying and it was hidden from them so they did not perceive it and they were afraid to ask him about this saying. This was not the days before. But he knew that he was going to be betrayed and he spoke it. He knew this was part of the, the hope that was ahead for him. It had been prophesied about. He knew it was coming. And so he just spoke that thing out. Understand this. Jesus knew his purpose. It was his hope. He knew what his purpose was. It was his hope. And he spoke of it and its results. He spoke of his purpose and he spoke of its result. Let's take a look at some people who went in a different direction with their confession. In Mark 5, verse 21, 21 through 43, we're going to read that whole section. I have a couple of the verses in your outline because I want you to focus mostly on those. But let's turn there and read the whole thing. These are familiar stories with us, but we'll read them again. never hurts to keep on reading the Word of God over and over. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Behold one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name and when he saw him he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying my little daughter lies at the point of death come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live look at his confession my little daughter lies at the point of death come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live is that not speak is he not speaking about his hope he has built a hope up on jesus from the things he has seen maybe from the things he has heard however it was however it came to him he built a hope up on it and then he just comes out here and he speaks out with his mouth the hope that he has the hope is future the healing has not occurred yet the healing is future he simply says my little daughter lies at the point of death he does not deny how the condition of his little daughter Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So in, in his hope, he has this picture of Jesus coming and laying his hands on the daughter. And that the daughter would get healed. And he speaks that out. He says that out. That's confession of hope. Hope which is future. Future. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Does she not have a hope? Her hope is future. She's not healed yet. She's not denying the fact that she's sick in this confession. She is simply saying, this is what I must do based on my beliefs. And this will happen. Now, notice how different her confession is from Jarius. Jairus says, come and lay your hands on my daughter. She says, if I but touch the hem of his garment, yet they both had the same result, they got healed. They were both based on what they'd heard. We went over uh, recently some of the things that are going on in Jesus' ministry that would have given this woman hope that if she just touched his clothes, she would be made whole. Jairus had seen other people that had Jesus lay hands on them and they got healed. That's what he based his hope off of. She based her hope off of something else. She didn't see that Jesus wouldn't take the time to lay hands on her. And so she was going to just try and get in there and this one said, so I, I, can, I can get on board with this one. Asking Jesus to lay hands on me, I don't know if he would do that. But I saw that people just kind of snuck up and got in there and pressed in against them. And as they touched his garment, they were healed. I can do that one. And she based her hope on that. And she had a confession about that hope. We've got to have a confession of the hope that we have. This confession needs to be spoken with our mouth. Not with our heart, not in our head. We must speak the confession with our mouth. And speak that thing out. This is what God has told me. This is what God has promised me. This is what God has spoken. This is what will happen. And we begin to lay it all out. Just as Jesus knew His calling. And knew some of this this scenario that was going on around Him for that. And He began to speak out these things that would happen. We need to do the same thing. Speak them out. Just say them. So the woman's confession, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction And Jesus. Immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now just a point of review. We spent much more time on this before. But when hands are laid on you, or in this case, she touched Jesus' garment, what is it that the people received? Healing power, not healing. Power to heal, or healing power. That's what they received. And that healing power would have its perfect work. Too often we are going in, getting hands laid on us, and expecting healing. No, you receive healing power. That healing power has its work in you. If you get the wrong belief, then the wrong thought comes in. And the devil comes in and sows that thought. You didn't get it, did you? We can simply say, I got healing power. Healing power came into my body. But you didn't feel it. don't matter if I felt it. The Word of God said it. And I speak. I have a confession based on what the Word of God promised me. And it says that healing power would come into my body. That's just a review. We spent much more time on that and many more scriptures. Verse 32, He looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before Him and told Him all Told him the whole truth. See, she was, a, she was timid. She was For whatever reason, she was afraid to confront Jesus about this or to even ask that this would be done. And he said to her, Daughter, your, your faith has made you well. Your what? Faith. faith. Not her hope. He said, Your faith has made you well. But it's the hope that gave her the confession that her faith could work on. So her faith made her well. Too often, we are not having confessions based on hope that is based on the Word of God. We have no hope. We expect that, well, whatever it is, I should have it now. And we get the tenses all mixed up. We begin to confess things that we desire. We begin to confess things like we have them that are promised, but we don't have them yet. And our confession gets all confused. And that's why we're not getting some of the things that we need to get. No, get that hope. Spend time in the Word of God. Develop the hope. What is the hope that God has for you? What is the hope of your calling? That's the verse of Scripture we're going to get into. What is the hope that you have for the promised thing that you need to receive? What has God said that you need to do to receive that thing you're hoping for? While He was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? Now, he had a hope that Jesus would come and lay hands on his sick daughter, that she would live. But now he has a dead daughter. He had not spent any time building up a hope on what to do for a dead daughter. So Jesus jumps in right away in this one. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken... He said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. So what is He doing? Inflicting Him with more hope. Well, You've had a hope for this area. Now we've got to change this. We've got to have a hope in a different area. But you just stay believing. Do not be afraid. Only believe. So all He has to do right now for that hope is to simply hang on to what the words of Jesus said. Do not be afraid, only believe. He didn't say to believe what, did he? He just said, keep believing. Just believe. Don't doubt. Don't get in fear. Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And he came in and said to them, Why make this commotion? And weep, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Now, what's he doing? Is he not making a confession? For the hope that he has, does that confession take faith? I got to have faith that this thing is going to come about. Otherwise, I don't speak it. But it's based on the hope. The hope is, and it's not a wish. Understand, the godly hope is not a wish. It is a certain hope based on a promise from God. Based on the on what you know from the Word of God. And he knew he could go in that situation and raise this girl up from the dead. He knew it. And he made a confession about it. He said, she's just sleeping. She's just waiting for me to get in there and raise her up again. And they ridiculed her. He put them all out. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai... Which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Boy, it's a much more efficient language than whatever he said it in, isn't it? (laughs) Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And said that something should be given to her to eat. Now, I don't know how that's supposed to work. They've all been around. They're all mourning the death of the girl. And then she shows up the next day at school or in the marketplace to buy stuff. How are you supposed to keep that quiet? <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. But anyway, that's what he said to him. And um, see how well that worked out for him. Well, the woman said, If only I can touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Jeriah said, If you'll come and lay your hands on her. They both have a hope. They both based it on something that they saw or heard. They put it out vocally. The Word of God says the woman said to herself. She didn't say it to other people, but she said it. She didn't think it. She said it to herself. How many times do you talk to yourself? It's alright to talk to yourself. And that counts as a confession. But it does not count to think it. you got to speak it out. you got to say it. Now the reason that this lady probably said it to herself was because of this issue of blood she had. She was seen as unclean and no one would come around her. No one would hang out with her. She's probably a very lonely person. Probably felt very much that Jesus wouldn't spend any time with her because no one else did. She's an outcast. But Jesus would have. But she didn't know that. But she based what she heard, what she saw. She based something. Got a hope out of it. Enacted on it. Spoke it. Said it to herself. Jairus didn't say it to himself. He said it to the people that were around. If you'll do this, this will happen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. You can turn it over there or look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. Matthew chapter 8, and verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this man has a hope, but it's a little confused hope. Thank God we can have even sometimes confused hope and still have it work. He says... Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So he has the picture that Jesus has the ability to heal him of this problem. But I'm just not so sure if you are willing to do it. So my hope is that you can do this, but just not quite so sure that you'll do it for me. And so Jesus takes care of that. And Jesus put his hand and touched him saying, I am willing. So he took care of that part of it. I am willing. Be cleansed. That's the only problem he had in the hope. But does he not confess with this hope? Does he not have a confession? Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Glory to God. <laughs> Let's go on with this one. We got some more. One more of this one in here. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the. Jesus is saying something here. I will come and heal him. doesn't qualify it. He says, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word that my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I said to this one, go. And he goes, and to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from east and west, and all down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob to the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, not as you have hoped, doesn't say that, does he? As you have believed, so let it be done for you. But he has built a hope up, hadn't he? My hope is that Jesus would speak the words. I know Jesus can come to my house, but I don't feel that I am worthy for Jesus to do that. So if you will just speak the word, he has built up inside. Now you don't find too many people that felt this way, but he had seen something. He had heard a few things. They lend him to the to the idea that Jesus just needs to speak it. He doesn't need to come to my home. He just needs to speak it. And Jesus said, I haven't found this great faith in all Israel. Huh? I haven't found people understand authority and power like this man does. This is great. As you believe, so it'll be done. So you see, the hope is what throws out in the future. This this is where we're going. This is what's going to happen. But my faith is what kicks that in gear. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So there's a hope. But we have got to paint the picture of the hope. Now abide these three. Faith, hope, and love. We've We've spent a whole lot of time on faith. We know a whole lot of things about love. But we've got to get our understanding going on the area of hope and spend time on the hope and paint that picture to have that hope what is it that you want god to do i don't care what he does just so he does something right i mean that's that's not hope that's wishing that something would happen but we need to have a hope what do you want god to do what is jesus favorite thing to ask people when they came up to him what do you want me to do blind people come up to Jesus. What do you want me to do? (laughs) People that are lame. What do you want me to do? Let's assume he says what do you want me to do? Can you get me a cup of coffee? I mean that'd be great if you just get me a cup of coffee. I haven't had one in a long time. What do you want me to to do? What is it your hope out there for? There's got to be something. But too often we're just believing for something. But I don't know what. I'm believing for something. But I I don't know what. I'll take anything. Right now, God, I'm desperate. I'll take any kind of healing. I'll take half a healing. I'm okay with half a healing is better. A quarter of a healing. I've had this thing for so long, a quarter of a healing is good. We'll just do that. Just help me to... I mean, even if you just make it so that I can endure the pain. Oh, that'll be good enough. What do you base that on? You have got to base the hope on something from the Word of God. The woman with the issue of blood based it on what she had seen other people do with Jesus, touching touching His clothes and getting healed. The centurion based it on things he had seen and heard. Jairus based it on things that he had seen and heard. The leper based it on things that he had seen and heard, just not sure if he was going to do it for him. He took care of that. The centurion says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word my servant will be healed. So as he was building this hope in himself, he was wrestling with this fact that I don't feel that I'm worthy for Jesus to come into my home. If you look at other parts of the story, he sent a delegation out there, and the delegation to go get him. And I guess as they were gone, he began to have second thoughts about Jesus coming into his home, and oh, I'm just not worthy for that. He sends out some other people. You don't have to do that. Just just speak the word. Just speak the word. I'm good with that. But we haven't spent a whole lot of time sometimes on the on the hope aspect of things. What is the hope that we have? Hebrews ten twenty three. Let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. You cannot hold fast of a confession if you don't have one to begin with. And you're not going to hold fast of a confession if it's not based on the word of God. If it's not based on the promises of God. It's got to be based in something. It's got to be based on something that God spoke to you. It's got to be based on something that God declared in His Word. It's got to be based on something that you saw Jesus do or saw done somehow. What is it that you based it on? And that takes some time. Sometimes we've got to go back and, and take some time here. Now this confession part. What God wants us to do is to have a confession. As it says here, let us hold fast the confession of our hope Without wavering, the reason for it, he who promised is faithful. That's the reason. He who promised is faithful. We serve a faithful God. But hold fast the confession. Don't waver on it. Stick with it. So we spend some time to find out what is the hope that we have so that I can speak things out about that confession and then hold fast to it. Why does he say to hold fast? Because generally stuff comes against your confession. Jesus is out there speaking things about his hope. His hope that he's going to the cross to redeem mankind and back to God. And here comes Peter. He he rebukes Peter for it. He doesn't put up with that. Not going to have that kind of thing going on. He knows what the hope is. His hope is, I will die on the cross I will be brought before their leaders. I will be brought before Pilate. I will be declared to be sinless. And I will be sent to the cross. And when the mob gathered and tried to kill him before that time, that was not the hope that he had. And the Word of God says that he passed right through their midst. It wasn't his time. And Jesus himself even says, no man takes my life. I lay it down. No man takes it. And if you look in the garden, all the, 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 the soldiers who come on out to get Jesus, and He says, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And He says, I am He. And they all fall down. And He doesn't go running off. He waits for them to get their composure and to get back up again. Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I already told you that I'm Him. Let the rest of these folks go. So obviously, he could have knocked them all over. If he could knock them all over with, with just the voice, I am he, just imagine what else he could have done. No one took his life. He laid it down because he had this hope and nothing was going to get in the way of doing that. Even Paul, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be put in chains. And then the Word of God says, the same way that you have witnessed for me down here in Jerusalem, you'll do the same thing up in Rome and he held on to that and even when it looked like he might get off he said I appeal to Caesar I'm going to Rome and you all are paying for it isn't that great? go to Rome let the government pay for it once healing came the confession stopped for all these people once healing came there was no more confession of it was there because it's already here. Once hope is realized, we don't need to confess it anymore. It's already mine. I already have it. But we confess on a regular basis those things that we yet hope for. But we've got to make sure that we spend time painting the picture of that hope. We're just really talking about the confession part of this right now. We'll get into how to paint the picture of that hope. Because we need it. We need to have that hope. Even a hope like Paul had. Where I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be put in chains. And I'm going to be taken over to Rome. That drove him on, didn't it? I didn't keep on going. Because he had purpose. He knows, alright, I'm going to face hardship. But this is why I'm going to face hardship. And this is what's going to go on. And it's alright. whole lot easier living life. Especially when you live through hard times. If you know why. Spend time in the Word of God and find out. Well, I put this in there and put one of those gold stars next to it too. You all know what to do with that. Principal. That's the principle. Go put it in your, in your uh, principle book. I confess what is promised and use what is given. Now, you may have to take this home and meditate on it a little while. I've meditated on it for a little while now myself. But once... Uh, I confess... What is promised. The things that are promised to me through the Word of God, I confess them. But the things that are given to me, I use. Authority is given to you. So you use it. You don't confess it. You don't have to go around. Jesus never one time went around confessing authority. Paul didn't go around confessing authority. Peter didn't go around confessing authority. They used it. You use what you've been given. But you confess what is promised. Those things that are promised that are still out there in the future. You confess them because they are a promised thing. But they're coming. And just as sure as heaven is yours, just as sure as that mansion in the sky is yours. Whatever God has promised is yours. Have A confession based on what He promised. Well, I don't know what He promised. Well, then you need to do the homework and find out what has He promised you. What has He promised the church in general? What has He promised you? And you hang on to that. And you keep confessing that. This is what you said. This is what you promised. And as the Word of God said in Hebrews 10, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope Without wavering. Don't waver on it. Hang on to it. Father God, I know I am to do this. I am to go to Jerusalem and I will be button James. I will be going to the cross. I will be betrayed. Or on the other side. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. I confess what is promised. I use what is given. The confession, folks, continues until the hope arrives. The confession we have when that thing continues until the hope arrives. Once it arrives, we don't need to confess it anymore. It's already here. And there is a difference between a what I want and what God has promised. You make sure that you discern the difference. Too many times we want to put what I want in the hope. That's not godly hope. Just because you want it doesn't make it godly hope. You've got to find out what does the Word of God promise. Just because you want it doesn't mean it can't be. Please understand that. But just because you want it doesn't qualify it as a godly promise. You've got to get into the Word of God. What can I base this on? What does God say about this? And come up with a godly hope and have a confession based around that. You can wake up in the morning and speak that confession about that hope. You can go to bed at night, speak that confession about that hope. Abraham's great example for that. Goes around speaking his confession all the time. I'm the father of many. I'm the father of many. God has promised me more kids than I could count. How many got now? None. But he's not wavered by that. I am the father of many. Because God has called me that. And he's having a confession of what is to come. You can have that yourself. Godly hope is based upon what is promised. It is based upon what is promised. Now, a good a good confession is not denying the present. You do not have to deny the present in a good confession. It is simply acknowledging a different future. That's what a confession of hope is. It is simply acknowledging a future that is different from my present now. I don't have to deny my present. I'm just looking ahead. This is what you called me to. How many of y'all know a confession about going to heaven with streets of gold and gates made out of pearls? No pain and no problems. That's, That's not going on here. We don't have gates of pearls. We don't drive on streets of transparent gold. We have blacktop. Sometimes with potholes. All kinds of fun stuff like that. Sometimes they're concrete roads. Sometimes they're not real smooth. Sometimes they're covered with snow, but hey, it'll change. Now, you see all the background for the screen? What is that? That is hope, (laughs) isn't it? In the future, it's not present, but all those green trees and green leaves and mm, we can't see that right now, can we? I don't have to deny what's going on right now to see that I know it. that's coming. Glory to God. No more shoveling snow. We've all had our fill with shoveling snow. We all, you know, one time we've had three years of pretty easy snow and we're all thinking, oh, snow's so nice. We're not thinking that right now. And if more snow comes this week, where are we going to put it, right? Hmm. But glory to God. Get your focus on the hope. Springtime is coming. There's going to be leaves on those trees that are bare. That ground that is covered with snow is going to have green grass and flowers. And no more salt bags out by the front step. Mm. Oh, it's going to be good, isn't it? Thank God. But... Base it on the, what the, God has promised us. We know springtime comes. We know that the seasons are coming. They will come. Glory to God. But hold fast the confession. Now, we spent three weeks on this aspect of it. Because I wanted to, to really drive home with you that hope has a confession. It is so important that we get into the confession of our Hope. That we know what that hope is and we condense that hope down into speakable chunks. What can you say about your hope? I've got to be able to say things about my hope. You've got to say things about your hope. What is it that you hope? Some of those things are specific for your life. Where you're going, what God's going to be doing for you, and so forth. And some of them are about promises He's made about health and healing and salvation and wisdom and power and authority and all that sort of stuff. But spend time in the promises. What has God promised? And when you stumble upon a promise, make a hope out of it. And don't just leave it there. Get a confession of that hope and begin to go around and speak it. I have a heavenly mansion waiting for me. I'll be walking on streets of gold. I'll be in the presence of God, in heaven. Let me just makes you feel better just to say all that, doesn't it? Just to have that confession. Well, you go around, you have that confession about your life, about what's going on with you. And then when the word, the world around you does not line up with what it is that God has called you to, what it is that God has put down on the inside of you, you can simply. Go back to Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. If you don't have that memorized yet, you will have it memorized before we're done this. Because we'll be going over and over and over. Praise God. Would you all stand up with me? One of the pictures that God has given us in His Word is the communion table. And we have a hope that He portrays here. The hope is, the first part is the bread. And with the bread, we have the representation of the body of Christ. And upon His body is put all of our sickness, all of our disease. <laughs> and we can have a confession based on that. I can constantly go through the day, Father God, I thank you that all my sicknesses, all the diseases that are upon the face of this earth have been put upon you and I don't bear them. And then we have the juice, the wine in Jesus' case. This represents the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. And I can go on and say, Father, I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to be righteous on my own. I accept the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I can have confessions about these things. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. As they are going around distributing the elements to you, you begin to think of what this does for you as far as hope and what kind of confession you can have because this is the promise He gave us. This is the promise for us in this world.